Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey you guys, this is Josh and Carol with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we're going to be talking about things that you really need to consider before you go off grid. That's right. Should you go off grid? Maybe not. Maybe. I guess we'll we'll talk about it. There's a lot of things to think about and consider. (laughs) But first, we're going to do some chit-chat. So if you want to skip ahead to the main topic, just check the timestamps below, and you can get right over to that. But before that... What's going on? I beat you to it. (laughs) I'm first. Okay, I get to go first. Usually you are. Usually I'm first. Put the ladies first, right? That's very nice. Very gentlemanly of you. Okay, well, we are rolling for January. You know, the first week of January feels so optimistic, right? We're like, oh, we're going to do all this. And then by Friday, the first week, you're kind of like dragging a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Second week of January, we're like, that was really optimistic of me. So anyways, I haven't given up on anything yet. We we start big. We start big. We we do everything big. But uh, I've been up to getting back into the role of life and homeschooling and just all the regular things that go on. We kind of took those weeks of vacation. And so now it's like seriously back to focusing and dialing in and uh, getting focused. But you keep talking about vacation and I, I, I kind of really like liked the vacation part. I my way through vacation. Yeah, you, you did not really get a vacation. I'm sorry. I, I looked at you fondly out the window where I sat by the nice warm fire and said, oh, I thought of there you. he goes again. I thought of you fondly sitting inside by the nice warm fire. So, um, so yeah, I have actually been diving into our pantry management and our pantry organization. Last week, we talked about pantry management. And, you know, as much as I, like, was sharing tips with you guys, I was kicking myself a little and, like, okay, get on the ball here because our pantry was a disaster. When you have maybe not the perfect infrastructure for a pantry, I know a lot of you guys struggle with this, too. You don't have really a perfect pantry. Um, It gets out of control really easily. Like, it just isn't set up quite so we have this little space, and we have these giant 55-gallon drums. It's and actually they kinda, pretty okay, sizable it's space. A sizable I mean, you giant 55-gallon yes. drums and lots of shelves. It's it takes up a lot it's of space. Just, <laughs> well, we have more stuff to put in it at this point than we have pantry. So while the pantry's not all that small yes. comparatively, maybe to other people's setups, we have a lot of bulk, and we haven't caught up the pantry organization right. and structure with our needs. It, well, and the 55-gallon the drums have 
grown in quantity faster than we Especially can the find last couple of years. Yeah. a good place to put them. And so they're kind of like in the walkway, which means they displace the five gallon buckets, which are now just stacking up. And then that makes it hard to get over to the actual shelving unit with all the jars. And so anyways, it's kind of been a trickle down effect. And the effect of all that is that when the kids bring stuff in, um, it just kind of gets plopped down somewhere, which only adds to the disaster. So what organization we did have has kind of gotten thrown out the window a little bit. So I've been diving back in, spending a bit of time on that space and trying to get it organized and very usable um, so that it's easy to get in and out of. Otherwise, it's frustrating and you can't find what you're looking yeah. for and you spend a lot of time and it's not efficient. So anyways. That's what I've been up to. It sounds busy. What have you been doing? I'm just pushing snow, and I know it seems simple. It seems like, yep, just pushing snow. But we have a lot of area, and I, I have my particulars about how I want it done and trying to keep up with it. And, and there's just a few things you have to deal with. In a winter like this, where the snow looks like it's going to keep coming, yeah. you have to push it far enough out of the way to accommodate new snow because it's going yeah. to pile up over time. So you just can't clear your path for your vehicles. You have to you have to plan for where you're putting all of that because we're also staying cold this year. So yeah. we're not getting not melt, much of a melt. So it is really starting to pile up. Yeah. So, um, and some of it's learning because here on this property, we haven't had to push this. I haven't had this much snow. This much. So yeah, it's a lot of time pushing snow and keeping all the areas on the property open, both houses and... Um, Trying to get ready for new snow. And then I also, there's areas where I don't want it building up real thick because then when we get to spring yes. and it starts to melt, <laughs> then we have ice. You want, yeah. And so, you know, yeah. try to keep up with it because it keeps coming in so fast, it gets ahead of you. And I, I can't stand it if we get several snows and especially a little little warm in between. We haven't had too and much of that. Ices, and, and then it ices. And it ices and it gets harder to push and, and, and it's a lot more yeah. work. So it's it's beneficial to stay up on it. And then trying to keep certain areas clear so that when it does melt, we can scrape it off and not end up with a sheet of ice. So that's actually for, I don't know, I, I figured it up and it's probably near a quarter mile, which isn't that much. Mm -hmm. Plus some big open areas. It doesn't seem like that much as far as road, but when you're pushing this much snow, it's taking a bit. Well, and this year has been a little <laughs> bit different than other years in that a lot of times we just have this kind of like constant little light snow like it's just always coming out of the sky mm. just lightly and this year we're getting days where we're getting five inches seven inches eight inches like it's coming down fast and dumping on us well and that's january particularly mid-january to mid-february weather mm -hmm. and that's where i'm like whoa what are we in for because we've had a december full of snow yeah and we're not really even hitting our peak yet of what usually would come down. So we'll see how the winter unfolds. Maybe, yeah, we'll maybe, the rest maybe it's going to be lighter. The but rest if, of January. But if it keeps coming, it's 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 uh, going to be a lot of snow. So yeah, mostly just you know, pushing snow, keeping the barn open. And uh, dealing with the power outages, I've got to say, there's been a lot of your time spent in that because we just have had a constant stream this year of power outages. And, and you know, when you live out here, our power lines come through the woods. And so, and so trees fall on them. We saw some lines, the snow, that is just the right kind of snow this time that was gathering on these lines, making these big, long tubes. But some of the lines were sagging. Like, you could almost get out of the car and reach up and touch them. They were sagging so low. <laughs> they were, they look like somebody took those pool tubes, you know, the pool noodles. No. Oh, yeah, and they, the, they, the swimming pool they noodles. ran the electric line through them because it was just all the way around in like this thick casing all the way. Around. It was yeah. very odd looking. 
Um, and so the result of that has been that we just keep losing power. The joke for me when I go to bed every night is I can't go to bed without resetting our alarm clock, the time on the alarm clock, because every single day it's been blinking. Yeah. Um, so we've just had just kind of this constant power outage, which, you know, kind of is going to bring us to the topic of the day a little bit about going off grid, but it's also good if you are not prepared for the short-term power outages like we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just did a pantry chat, a couple of pantry chats ago back in December, December, late November, where we Mm -hmm. were talking about preparing for that because, you know, we're really thankful when we have a short-term power outage, we actually get through it pretty easily. It started not throwing the system too much. Yeah, it's just work. It's not, you know, if you were off-grid and you had your systems, you might have all that wired in and ready to go and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't phase you. We're somewhere in between where we have good systems, but there's still work. We've still got to pull out generators, pull out cords, uh, get through snow, and keep those things fueled up. So it it is a little bit of work. Um, but it keeps us up and running yeah. just fine. Good. And we can go pretty much as long as we need to. Okay, so let's move to the question, question of, the day? of the day. This looks like a cast iron question from Covered in His Dust on uh, IG from DM. <laughs> um, hey, my husband had an old cast iron griddle skillet in his barn that I stripped in reseason following your YouTube. I've cooked bacon on it twice and it does great, but when I wipe it out with a paper towel, the paper towel is all black. And then I cooked flatbread on it last night and some of the flatbread had black marks on it. Did I not seize it, reseason it right or is that normal? I'm okay. brand new to cast iron. I'm assuming when you're talking about black, you're not talking about the leftover little bits of bacon in the pan that's turned black. I'm going to assume that you're talking about the actual cast iron and the seasoning. So you're still getting some of that black from the cast iron. You know, there's some element that's normal on that, um, but it is a sign that maybe you have undercooked your seasoning. So if you want to do away with that, the thing to do is do another seasoning round, put it in the oven, but leave it in a little bit longer at that low temperature. See if you can bake it on a little bit harder. That would indicate that you're actually losing little bits of your seasoning while you're cooking. Not the worst thing in the world. It's not bad for you or anything like that, but it doesn't mean you're losing your seasoning. So you're going to end up stripping your pan over time. Um, it's great that you're cooking fatty things with it first, frying toast, uh, bacon that's a really good way to go to keep seasoning it but i would just give it another layer get it in the oven and just really let it bake on there you're really not going to hurt it if you keep it at those low temperatures Um, and then when you take that out you should be able to wipe off any excess oil in there from the seasoning and you should get to a clean like just oily but not the black on it surface very cool yeah good all right good question Well, let's dive in. We're talking about should you go off grid and things to consider. We get a lot of questions about whether we're off grid and why we're not off grid if we're not. And Mm -hmm. so I think uh, for me, this is a question that I really like. I think it's a really good one to consider because we've seen a lot of people decide they want a homestead and immediately go out and either buy some place that's off grid or you know kind of dive build off grid build right off away. grid kind of dive <clears throat> right into the off grid 
um, system. And we've seen a lot of failures and problems with that. So I think it's a good conversation. It really is. And I, I think going off grid is a good goal, but often it seems like that is the thing when people want to go out to the country, uh, especially with everything going on the last couple of years and they're making some changes like going off grid and, and buy this because we'll talk a little bit more about what is the grid and mm -hmm. what grids because there are multiple um, but going off grid in the traditional sense with power and water and that that's like the first thing you're going to do and that's independence and that's yeah. self-independence and there's a lot of risk with that there's a lot of work to it there's a steep learning curve and there's a lot of challenges yeah so we have not yet gone off grid because there are a lot of other schools and other areas of grid that we've wanted to be off first and a lot of things to develop mm. uh, before we take those steps along with when we do um, having both the knowledge and the systems and the resources to implement them well. We're a large family. We've got a lot going on. Um, you know, that's we want to have a lot of other things running very smoothly when we hit that learning curve. Absolutely. And, and um, well, and I think that's that's really <coughs> that big failure is that people jump in so hard into this off-grid situation with the power, and then you end up chasing around your off-grid system so much, right? Well, and and there's a steep a learning time. curve. Yeah, there's a, there's a steep learning curve, especially, you know, a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of us homesteader types are DIYing it. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're building it ourselves and trying to do it on a budget. That means you're working on systems, systems are failing, you're learning. And if you're trying to do that, and I know I've said this a bunch in different pantry chats, if you're trying to do that, and you're trying to build a house, which we watch people do. Right. <laughs> and you're trying to garden and maybe even learn to garden. And you're raising animals and you're learning about animals or you're fencing a property. Um, there's just a lot to tackle. And while, I mean, it's ideal to a lot of us to maybe be off the power grid, we're very used to power. And <laughs> it's kind of like there's a lot of other things to do first and take advantage of what power gives you and not having to mess around with yeah with the challenges first right. um, while we develop other skills. So that's why we're not off-grid right. at this point. I think there's another angle, too, <laughs> that is that sometimes people go off-grid by getting their power generation systems up. So it's, they're essentially living a normal, modern life. They've got all their normal, modern conveniences. Mm. They're just powering them in a non-traditional way, right? Right. And they get this sense of security, like, I'm off-grid, so it's not gonna, nothing's going to bother me. And the reality is every single one of their power generation uh, you know, systems that they have is often dependent on parts, being able to get parts, being able to maintain parts. And if you have a problem with that, you're instantly to a position where you're, you're just at zero. You might as well be a normal, modern American household that's on the grid who just lost power because you're not set up for running without your power system. And so I, I think there's a couple of things that we really need to think about in that. But first, I want to say... You can absolutely be a homesteader and not go off grid. Absolutely. I had somebody local to us here ask me one time they found out what we did that we, you know, that we have a YouTube channel and they said, "So you guys are off grid then?" And I said, "No, we're not off grid." And they immediately said, "So you're cheating the internet." And it took me a minute. I was like, what does that mean? Like, what is, I finally realized he thought that we were lying to everybody and saying that we were off grid yeah. because of course, in his mind, a homesteader had to be off grid. Mm -hmm. And 
You don't have to be off grid to be a homesteader. You don't even have to be out in the country to be a homesteader. Homesteading is really a state of mind that says we're looking at producing things and being a producer and not just a consumer. Yeah, you're you're producing in your home, and I think that's the that's the new modern definition right. that we give to it because the old homesteading, the legal homesteading of going and homesteading land is mostly gone. Right. And but there is a mentality and there is a way of thinking and a paradigm that you can apply wherever you live. Yeah. And that's what we do, and that's what we encourage you guys to do. But um, let's let's talk a little bit about what is the grid. Okay. Um, and, you know, kind of what is really off-grid and yeah. is anybody really off-grid? I think there's a bit to Yeah, there's a lot to there. unpack there because <laughs> there is this modern concept in the way we use that term being off-grid that says the power grid. Right. Right? That term is really the power grid for most of us when we use it, but when you start thinking about the things that connect us to the outside society, it's actually a lot bigger than that. Well, and so a grid really is any system, you know, any system that provides us a resource or something of value that's systemically, (laughs) I couldn't (laughs) find that word, uh, created that that we rely on outside of ourselves is one way to say that. So electricity, there's an electricity grid, Mm -hmm. right? There's often a water grid. Yes. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, there's a medical grid. There's a medical grid. There's the, a financial grid. The there's internet. an education grid. Right. There's an education <laughs> grid. There is a food system grid. Absolutely. You know, medical grid is good. There's definitely an information grid. Yeah. You know, be that our cell phones, our um, landline phones, the internet. Yeah. You know, th- those are all types of grids. And so we realize most people are talking about going off electricity. But for us, we actually started working to get off of some of the other grids first. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> I do want to talk about it. <laughs> My mind was going a little different direction, so go for it. Do you have a thought on that? Well, I think, you know, for us, and one of the things that I see is, you know, food was very important to us, being able to produce our own food for a lot of reasons. Yes. And early on, it had to do with health reasons, our children. And it it also, as we were studying and growing in our knowledge about these things, we realized, look, I want to have skills to be off the food grid as much as possible before I'm worried about the electrical grid. I'll I'll take the electricity while we're learning to grow our own food, to preserve it, use the equipment, while we're learning non-grid skills. But that aids the learning process. And so that was one that Mm -hmm. we said, no, let's let's build this out. Let's learn how to get off this grid as much as possible before we tackle something bigger like the electric grid. Well, and a lot of things, a lot of these grids that we've chosen to start stepping off of or stepping out of um, require some infrastructure along with skills, right? Mm -hmm. So having a predictably, a reliably productive food production system takes infrastructure. It takes the right gardening space with improved soil, maybe fences around that. It takes a barn or pasture if you're raising animals. It takes a chicken coop, whatever it is. And so, um, you know, for us, it was really important to put the resources, the financial resources, into developing those places instead of putting them into the power grid alone, I think. Mm -hmm. Because for so many of these different areas, it's that infrastructure that makes the difference. I mean, you have to have the skill, but you've got to have the infrastructure. That's why when you look at old farms, they're really shaped differently a lot of times than our today farms. Yeah. They have things like the root cellars. They've got the permanent fencing in the pastures. They have these things set up that makes their program work and work 
efficiently so that they can produce food, they can produce what they need to produce, um, power or no power, even if you're down to manpower. So as well said, to go off any grid, mm -hmm. we, we named all these ones, and to go off any, you, you have to develop education and right. how to do that. You have to have the space to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to have the resources to do it. And then you have to start to put all those together to where you can actually accomplish it in doing it. Yeah. And so that's one of my biggest concerns with seeing people is trying to do too much of that at once. You can't do it all. Right. You've got to tackle them one by one. So we've tackled food across yeah. the board. Um, another one is education. Yeah. We knew early on we wanted to homeschool. We knew we were probably having a large family. Well, that's a whole new way of living, a whole new way of doing that takes resources and time. Yeah. And we had to get that system rolled. And I think with the education system, it's a really good example of so many of our different grid systems. It's really natural for us when we decide to step off the grid or back away from it or whatever it is that mm -hmm. we're doing, it's really easy for us to try to replicate what we know what we've been experiencing on the grid, right? And it's so important to step away and go, hey, is this system serving us well? Whether that's a food system, you know, grow, the same thing for food. A lot of people, when they start homesteading, they start growing their own uh, food, they're trying to make their diet look exactly like it looked when they just went to the grocery store and bought whatever they felt like as though everything's in season all mm. the time. Making those changes of saying, you know, my homeschool system does not necessarily look like a public school system. Right. It gives us good results and gives the same results in a lot of ways, but it doesn't have to look the same. Yep. Yeah. And so we're building momentum for ourselves. You know, we've got drastically reduced reliance on the food grid, the mm -hmm. education grid, the medical grid. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the water grid pretty good. And so we're developing systems on the property to work to step towards those things. And that's yeah. that's the path we'd encourage. And our path may not be the, you know, the right one for you. Yeah. But I think it's looking at these things critically and thinking about, you know, which steps do we take? So I think when you take those steps and you start getting off the other grids, possibly first for you guys, definitely for us, um, and putting the infrastructure and skills into place to be able to support those other grids, the the um, scenario changes where it becomes, you know, we're removing things that are going to fail if the power grid goes down, right? Right. If okay. you're in the education system and you have a massive power grid failure, you have a failure in the education system. I guarantee it. Right, yeah. There right? You if you have a massive failure in the power system, you have, we've seen it this year, with, even without the power system, you have a food delivery failure. Mm -hmm. So the further you're getting off those other grids, the less that power grid is going to affect. So this is a way for us that we're starting to just back away from needing that power grid altogether. I'm not saying we're not dependent on it at this point, but you start to go, yeah, we really don't need it. So that if the power went out, what changes in our life is way less significant than it was maybe 10 years ago when we were on all those other grids, yeah. right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it? so. And so just keep moving through our notes here. And what, what are we doing now to be ready to go off grid? Mm -hmm. um, right. Well, I think just that, that we're stepping away from other grid systems, right? We're continuing to develop better systems for growing, for mm -hmm. growing food, for education, for uh, you know, medicine, mm -hmm. it's really interesting. Some of the new 
uh, medical models that are coming out because of the disaster of this last couple of years. We've seen mess a that lot became. more alternatives, yeah. which we love. There's becoming a lot more alternatives to that care. Obviously, being healthy in the first place is a great place to start and helps you avoid a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But there are some new, exciting alternatives coming out. Absolutely. So, so that's our method right now is getting the infrastructure set up so that if the power went out, it's not that big of a deal. And when we're ready to actually step off grid, we have way less to power. So as we're taking all these steps on these different grids and working to eventually get off of the power grid as well, right. um, but as you were saying, developing all these other areas out and that, that uh, creates less reliance, creates more resiliency for ourselves, and then building in the power system. So just to go to the electrical grid right now, we're not off grid, we just have backup systems and we have a system that works okay as we were talking about earlier. It can, as long as we've got fuel, which one of the things we did this year was increase our fuel storage, then while it's a bit of work, we can run our generators and we can keep our power up and keep on going mm -hmm. for a fairly indefinite time if we're frugal with it. Right. One of the next steps and things that you can do just getting into the electrical grid a little bit is to do an inline power system. Yes. And this is one what I think is one of the best solutions and best steps, especially if you're fairly urban or small country and really just you, you want some some resiliency but you don't really want to go off grid. And that's an inline generator, propane based, propane fuel lasts forever. You can store a lot of it. And you can manage that if you have good storage to go for a very, very long time. Will you explain so, what an inline is for people who so, don't know that? So an inline generator is a generator that will power all or strategically part the essential parts of your home. And it is wired into your power system so that it kicks on automatically when the power goes out. And nice. when we built a home and had our five acre property, we had one of those mm -hmm. and we had to for the work that we had. And it was very, very valuable. And so one, it's a convenience. You're not out there in the snow or the rain moving things around. Mm -hmm. And two, that system with a, with a propane system inline, all of that, you can have large storage. You can manage how you use that yeah. and really reduce your consumption if you're worried about long-term outages. I mean, it's going to get you through short-term outages, no problem. Right. You hardly even know. Um, but you can use that to go a long time, I'd argue six months to a year, um, without power if you had to. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great step towards being so-called completely off-grid, which I think we need to talk about a little bit here as well. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, so after everything we've talked about that is on grid, can any of us actually go off grid? That's a really good point. <laughs> and the answer I think is really no. We, we may rearrange our systems, we may get less dependent on certain grids, but we're still dependent. If you're gonna have solar or generators or wind or hydro, you are dependent on all kinds of manufacturing yeah. that ultimately uses electricity, uses fuels. Mm -hmm. And you may be less dependent, you think. I mean, you really have to get into detailed energy audits and production audits to determine that. <laughs> so you're creating some resiliency for yourself is what you're doing. But well, even in the generator system that I just described, we got, gotta have fuel. We're dependent on a whole grid that yeah. produces that fuel. Even if once we get it here, we, we could make it last for a year we're still dependent on that somewhere along the line and on repairing those generators if they're running all the time. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't think you can really go off grid. We, we can become yeah. more resilient is the word I like. Well, and that's really <clears throat> the point of everything that we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Is we want to add resiliency. Self-sufficiency is kind of the 
the keyword, right? It's what people it's know. It's a uses. term we use, but the reality is none of us is self, are self-sufficient unless you like are the hermit out in the woods all by yourself. You never see anybody. No, I don't want to be that guy. Um, and, good. <laughs> um, but we don't really even want to strive towards self-sufficiency. We want to strive towards being more self-sufficient and being resilient and adding a lot of community sufficiency, right? Well, and I, I think so. And I think the more I think about it, the more we talk over the years that that's just it. The goal is resiliency. And it might start with self-resiliency or family resiliency, but really we're not out here to be self-sufficient. We're out here to build ourselves, our families, and our communities as a whole, building resiliency into our lives. Yeah. I, I think that's where the value is. And so, so in this discussion about <clears throat> should you go off grid, I think what you have to do is instead of taking that question, you have to reframe it and say, hey, what is the, the biggest action I can take this year to increase my family's resiliency? And it may not look like a homesteading action, you guys. It may be that you need to get out of consumer debt. That may be, be it. Yeah. It may be that you really need to start gardening or growing some food. Or bulk buying. Or bulk buying or yeah. something. And it may be that going off the power grid is your next best resiliency move. But you really need to move away from, as a culture, we need to move away from this kind of glorified idea of going off grid as being this like end all homesteading goal. Mm -hmm. And instead reframe that in this idea of how do we add significant resiliency to our household, to our homestead this year? I love that. So should you go off grid? That's a decision that each person needs to make. Don't let any preppers, any homesteaders <laughs> pressure you or, or just even the ideal, you know, be realistic about where your resiliency is or where it lacks and the steps that you need to take, <clears throat> excuse me, for yourself and your family and take the steps that are best for you because it's going to be different for everybody. And, and honestly, there's needs and then there's skill sets. You may have certain skill sets that, that some of those things are the best steps for you. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it, we have such a large family, the food's bigger than the mortgage. It makes sense <laughs> that we would focus on the food. Now, I think there's a lot of argument for most people on that particular topic, food production. But nonetheless, you decide if you should go off grid and how and which grids to go off first. Mm, well said. Hey, if you guys need some more immediate solutions to power outages, check out the video we did just recently on yep. short-term power outages and how to prepare for those. It's a good start. But it's been great hanging out with you. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.